Hi, this is Dion Bake from Butler Mortgage. We're currently ranked the number one mortgage brokerage in Ontario and number two in Canada. And much of our success is due to the fact that we help clients acquire multiple investment properties. If you'd like to talk with a mortgage advisor who specializes in investment property, you can reach me at 888-684-8326. To learn more about what's going on in the world of investment property financing, check out episode 23 of the Breakthrough Podcast, where I discuss the topic with Robin Sandy. Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, episode 86. And welcome to the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. We put this show together to inspire you and help you break through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. My name is Rob Brake, and here with me again is Sandy McKay. Hey, Sandy. Hey, Rob. How's everything going today? Good, good. What's new and exciting with you? Uh, you know, just always new and exciting stuff. I mean, uh, well, maybe we can share a little bit about what's going on, but uh, yeah, just ready to roll and pump out some more content here. We've got a great guest, so I'm excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, we do. Talk about something a little different today, right? We haven't really spent a whole lot of time about, the, about this topic here. No, we're going to talk about multifamily investing, and we have Pierre-Paul Turgeon with us, so I'm super, super excited. And he's, uh, he's with us right there on the other side of the line. Well, let's just say a quick hello. Hey, how are you? Uh, I'm great, you guys. Great to be here on your show. So we just have a couple of little housekeeping things to catch up with. Uh, what should first and foremost? What are we going to talk about, Sandy? Obviously, they got to jump over to our website, <clears throat> BreakthroughAIPodcast.ca. And once you go ahead and check that out, catch every episode that we've ever done there. Um, they can download our free report, the ultimate strategy for building wealth through real estate, and get a little more info from us. Uh, through there, they can, you know, start getting our emails and what's going on with us uh, more regularly, any events we have coming up, uh, special offers, all that sort of stuff. So they definitely want to go over and grab that. Yeah, uh, Sandy and I are doing, Sandy and I are doing events quite often now. So you know, if you want to be uh, up on what's going on, then get on our list for sure. And you can see you've got a you've got an event coming up very soon, don't you, Sandy? Got a few, yeah. I mean, uh, we've got a few coming up uh, this this spring. We're uh, we're recording this relatively close to when this is going to come out, so I guess it's it's all pretty relevant. We're gonna we're gonna have some events, yeah. We got a a couple in May, uh, one coming up in two weeks here at the end of April, and you know, it's all great to listen and learn on, on these shows. And I think we feel we provide pretty good value and content for everyone. Uh, nothing beats going out there and, and getting live in person networking, meeting some other, other uh, investors or wannabe investors or, or high-level investors already and, and getting a little bit of more face-to-face time and, and really taking some action, right? Yeah, exactly. And I'm doing a bunch of, uh, well, I mean, it doesn't, really, it doesn't really matter when you're listening to this, but, you know, so if it's in a couple of years, hopefully we've got the same stuff going on, but I'm doing a lot of uh, property tours with investors and we're going out and seeing uh, the different regulations and going over what's involved in adding student rentals, legal student rentals or uh, legal second suites. So just going through the processes of what's required and meeting other investors and 
hearing what they're doing and uh, just getting um, a lot of good information and meeting a lot of good people. So yeah, sign up for those lists and you'll be involved in all that stuff. Now, secondly, we encourage everybody to go over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. It helps us get out there. It helps us get super huge guests like Pierre Paul. Um, so we're really pumped to have him on. And uh, I won't delay too much, but I am going to read a couple of the uh, most recent reviews that we've gotten here because uh, they've just been rolling in. And, uh, the last, like, we've just gotten three more in April, three more five-star reviews. So we've got, I don't know, 224 reviews on iTunes now. So uh, thanks, everybody, for sending these out. So here's the first one. It is from Epic Death One. So, I mean, you wouldn't want to have a bad show and have him review it. But uh, <laughs> he says, hi, guys. Just want to let you know I've been listening to Bigger Pockets for almost a year now. Ever since I found out that there was a podcast for Canadians, I dove right in and never stopped. Love your podcast. Love the host, co-hosts. You guys have a literal, sorry, you guys have literally replaced Bigger Pockets. I barely listened to them. Ha <laughs> ha. Keep it up, guys. Changing lives in a positive direction. I only wish I could give you 10 stars out of, instead of five. Well, uh, thank you very much. And, uh, you know, Bigger Pox is, is an awesome po podcast. We sort of modeled this one after that one. I basically said, I like what they're doing. So we just copied them, really, and just gave Canadian content. So appreciate the, uh, the uh, comparison there, guys. The second one here is from... Richter Construction. Uh, he says, super informative podcast, five stars. From the few series I've listened to, Breakthrough is definitely the most informative. A question I have, uh, a question I have as a startup builder, investor, how can you start to play in the market when the homes in the region you are in are crazy pricey and you are a startup builder and lack reputation? I live in Vancouver and 10 years ago, given the market, I could have purchased a property for the BRR strategy, but now it's tough business. Well, I mean, there's no quick answer for that question, but um, I mean, it's not easy, right? Like you, the good deals don't come every day. You've just got to get out there, keep looking for them, um, stick your nose into it, tell everyone what you're up to, tell everyone what your plans are. And uh, eventually, you know, the right one will come to you. Um, I don't think that a lack of reputation is going to stop you if you have the determined and drive that you need to get going. And Great. it's just meeting people, right? Networking. Right, Sandy? Go to events. Go to events. Meet more people yeah. in the market trying to do something similar or that have already done something similar. And model it off them and, and uh, take action, right? I mean, a lot of markets are like that. Uh, a lot of people said the same thing. However many years ago we were starting out, right, Rob? I mean, yeah, it's not going to change, right? It's not going to change. It always seems unattainable, especially, obviously, Vancouver, Toronto are a little more, uh, required a little more capital to get going. But there's a lot of secondary markets probably outside of Vancouver, I'm sure, that, that have opportunity. Yeah. Uh, last one real quick is from Austin Ram Charge Fan. And he says, five stars, Lots of great info. Really enjoyed the Belize episode, even though it may have been a little off topic. Keep up the good work. Well, it's real estate investing, so I don't know if it's off topic, but at least you liked it. Unlike the other guy that wrote in and said he gave one star or zero stars because we uh, featured a, a, a podcast on Belize investing. So 
<laughs> I don't know. Well, this is good. So thank you, Austin Ram Charge fan. And everybody else who's written us reviews, we really appreciate it. There's a couple more there, but I don't want to, you know, we got, we got a big guest to get to, right? Let's do it. I know. Yeah. Okay. So uh, without further ado, today we are very happy to have Pierre Paul Turgeon with us. He's going to share how to get started in investing in apartment buildings of five or more units anywhere in Canada. So super excited to have you on. Uh, uh, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Really happy to be here. Great. So Pierre Paul, I'm going to read through uh, a little bio here where we got for you and then uh, we can kind of kick it off with that. Let everyone know a little bit more about who you are and, and what you've been up to up to this point. Um, and you can maybe add to it if you, if you need to. But uh, Pierre Paul is Canada's leading authority and insider when it comes to investing in apartment buildings because of his unique perspective of this type of investment. Uh, he is a former CMHC multifamily underwriter and full-time multifamily investor with a portfolio of 160 doors, maybe more now, valued in excess of $22 million. Uh, as a former CMHC apartment building underwriter, he's analyzed hundreds of apartment deals in three provinces, three territories. He's analyzed more apartment buildings than most of the largest landlords in the country. And not only is he familiar with the front end of buying apartment buildings, but also he is very knowledgeable with the back end of his business, uh, of this business. And that is when apartment deals go sour and investors default on their loan. And he's also managed the default management department in CMHC's Prairie office. And so this wealth of knowledge, obviously and experience enables Pierpaul to invest in apartment buildings strategically to ensure a sound return for his investors with low risks. And while well, a bunch of awards, Pierpaul's won numerous awards, including multifamily investor of the year, top player of the year with the real estate investment network, uh, service provider of the year 2012 by, by crew Canadian real estate wealth for his multifamily training program. And he's a national speaker. He's a trainer on the subject of multifamily investing. And if you want to go grab his free ebook, I'm sure maybe we'll mention it again, but his free ebook on multifamily investing secrets revealed, you can pick that up at multifamilyinvestingcanada.com. And so again, wow. Welcome. Lots of, lot of different, uh, Cool stuff you've done there, Pierre Paul. So anything to add to that or does that sum it up? No, I, when I hear this, is that really me? Did I do all these things? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had a good life. I, you know, I, I, yeah, life is pretty good, you guys. Um, yeah, that's good enough. <laughs> you know, what about family? One thing we kind of uh, overlook a lot of times when we're introducing people is about their family. So you've, you've got a family, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, look, it's, uh, it's early here, right? I'm in Alberta. You guys are in Toronto. So it's 930. So just, uh, just 45 minutes ago, I just uh, said goodbye to my youngest. He's 14. So Jacob, he's my buddy. Uh, there's a big gap between him and his older sister and brother who are both away in university. Uh, my daughter, Marianne, 19, she's at U of A in Edmonton in sciences, first year. And my older son, Anthony, is uh, 21. He's actually in South America, in Colombia, doing a semester. He's also in sciences, normally in BC, at uh, Thompson Rivers University in Kamloops. But he's doing a semester in Medellin, Colombia. I think he's watched too many narco shows, if you ask me. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that, yeah, and my beautiful wife, Manon, as well. So, yeah. But uh, uh -huh. can, can I say something, guys? I, I um, you know, because you, we met, I think, uh, Rob, you and I, I think it was in January uh, in, uh, in Durham, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, but that's I, right. But, yeah. but I, I want to go back to your introduction because I, I, it's my first time on your podcast. 
what did you say uh, about inspiring and, and lifestyle and all of that? Did I hear that? Yeah, you did. <laughs> Why? Is that good? or? It's, it, it's freaking excellent. Perfect. You know what? We're going to talk about real estate. But at the end of the day, the real estate portion is a, is a means to an end. Allow me for a moment to tell, to describe where I'm sitting right now. So I'm sitting in my home office facing west. It's a beautiful sunny day. I live on an acreage on top of a mountain. I see the Canadian Rockies full of snow still. I see pumping jacks because I'm in Alberta. There's pumping jacks, pumping oil everywhere, you know. And after I'm finished with the podcast, I'm going to go and pick up my eggs from my chickens in, in my yard. And I got my gratitude rock sitting on my MacBook Pro and I made myself a coffee, a cappuccino. That's what real estate gives you. And yeah. talking about Belize, I was there a month ago with my wife and some friends, some down. Were you? Yeah. That's well, what we're talking about. Real estate is a means to an end. Absolutely. You know? So I just wanted to say I'm very grateful. I got my gratitude rock, which I picked up, by the way, uh, on the shores of Lake Titicaca on an amazing adventure trip with my older son of some years ago. So there you oh, go. I was going to ask you, what is the gratitude rock? Well, it's just, uh, you, you know, neuroscientists uh, have figured out that maintaining that feeling of gratitude is how we become, you know, it's a, it's a secret to being happy. That's all it is. So I never go anywhere without this rock, nowhere. And when I start speaking, even this podcast or my workshop last weekend in Vancouver, uh, you know, I, I start with uh, that feeling of gratitude every day, every day. And I end my days in a, in a state of gratitude. And this is a, this is no BS. This is real. Uh, so that's my reminder. And I, I, you know, it's a beautiful rock. I can send you a picture if you want. It's very colorful. Sure. Yeah, that'd be great. We'll put uh, but, it up in the uh, show notes. So, but at the end of the day, that's why we do real estate. It's a, it's a means to an end. In the end, I, I kind of live a good chunk of it, you know, but mm -hmm. it, it didn't happen overnight, of course. But, you know, let's, uh, let's ponder on that because that's why we do it. That's why we Absolutely. And Pierre, Paul, you know what, like, um, if you go back uh, and look at some of the stuff that we put out there, some of the recordings we put out, like, we don't just focus on practical real estate stuff. We really like that. And, and, and especially new investors, they really like that stuff, actionable, you know, steps. But we've also done a ton of interviews with people who just talk about uh, the, the mindset that you need to get through all these obstacles that pop up when you decide to be a real estate investor. You know, I love that as well. You were talking about the, the, the builder, I think you mentioned in Vancouver. I just came back from Vancouver and I do get out there a lot, right? As you know, I get across Canada. I think that person, uh, that, 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 that uh, listener of yours needs to work on the mindset. Uh, you know, I, I, I teach that a lot to my students when I teach because really it's not the mechanical or the mechanics of real estate investing. That's the challenge. It's one's mindset. That's the impediment, oftentimes, the obstacle. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to remind your, your listeners that obstacles are there to instruct, not to obstruct, to quote uh, Brian Tracy. So, yeah, I like that. I love that quote. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And a great book is uh, The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. So I highly recommend that. There's always a way to, 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 you know, when there's a problem, there's always a solution. If you cannot find the solution, you're part of the problems. Yeah. If there's an obstacle, go around it, go over it, go under it, or go through it. Whatever it takes. I heard that Sean Terry taught me that. <laughs> anyway, um, okay, so let's get into this a little bit. So we heard in the intro uh, a brief summary of your background, but how did you get involved in multifamily uh, properties? So I actually learned English in my late 20s in Toronto, actually. 
Uh, I have a degree in political science with a major in international relations from U of T. And so I've always been interested in international stuff, right? But then CMHC ended up opening an international division uh, many years ago. I'm not even sure if it still exists. Uh, but so, and I also have a law degree. So it, I kind of had a, a few kind of skills that were great to work for CMHC's international department. And we're talking back in 97 in those years. So that's quite a while back. And so basically CMHC at that time was approached by uh, the World Bank and its subsidiary, the International Finance Corporation, IFC, to try to uh, provide consulting advice to foreign countries, uh, in, in particular uh, to uh, the West Bank and Gaza and the Middle East, uh, on how to set up mortgage default insurance. So it was pretty exciting work, to be honest with you. And I got involved as a project manager, whereby CMC was providing consulting uh, advice to foreign countries. So as I said, the West Bank and Gaza, which is next to Israel, uh, Africa, Gabon, Romania, Mali, India. So I, I um, but I was, I was there as a project manager, not as a deliverer or somebody who was delivering the expertise. So I decided to learn CMHC's core expertise, which is mortgage default insurance, as we all know, right? Uh, Bores uh, uh, get financing and CMHC insures the financing. So, uh, so that's how I got involved with uh, international projects with CMHC. But I wanted to be on the delivery side, not just the project management side. So I decided to take an assignment uh, in CMHC's uh, prairie region. I'm a mountain guy, by the way. Like I said, as I speak to you, I see the beautiful, it's a beautiful blue sky day with uh, the snowy Rockies. Uh, I used to come and hike in the Rockies all the time when I was a student or for holidays and stuff like that. So I got an assignment to work at CMHC's regional office in Calgary. And initially I started at a single home underwriter. So underwriting uh, principal residences. And, but I was on an assignment to get to know various departments uh, in CMHC's uh, underwriting department, if you will. Then I moved to what uh, Sandy mentioned to the default management and real estate department, which has two components. This is when CMHC, like people default on their apartment buildings and or their principal residences. The lenders have the obligation to try to uh, sell those uh, properties. And after a certain time of exposure, if they're unsuccessful in disposing of the assets that were insured by CMHC, CMHC would take them back. My department, I was managing the default management of real estate department. And so there was two components to that. Like I said, the real estate was smaller rental properties, people's residences, principal residences, and the default management was default management of apartment buildings. Here's the good news for you. Yes, my job was to manage defaults of apartment buildings, but you know what? they rarely default. <laughs> That's the good news. Even in Alberta, we're having a tough time in our market here because of the oil crisis and all of that. And that's something I certainly want us to talk a little bit about later. But uh, even in today's environment in Alberta, where the economy is really suffering still because of the low price of oil, or actually now the price of oil has somewhat recovered, but we still are in a surplus position, apartment buildings pretty much never default. So there you go. But that's so, and, and then once my assignment was done in Alberta, I decided to stay because I wanted uh, my children to learn English. And now my, my two older children are even by, trilingual, speak Spanish as well and all of that. So that's how I ended up uh, doing this. And so it's a long-winded, uh, you haven't asked questions, but- uh, No problem, I'll, I'll, Love I'll, it. I'll finish with this. Um, 
I was getting tired of being a bureaucrat. Uh, as much as I'm indebted and grateful for having had the career, a career I've had at CMHC, you know, I, I re- it was my coming out as an entrepreneur. And uh, in 2008, you remember the great credit crunch that preceded uh, the great recession of 2009? I was an underwriting, full-time underwriter in the multifamily department at CMHC. And guys, I have never seen people make so much money with apartment buildings. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was my big aha moment. And, you know, combine that with the fact that I was tired of being a bureaucrat. And I said, you know, I want to join the parade and start to invest in apartment buildings because that, that was my job, day in, day out, to analyze the risk factors as they pertain to investing in apartment buildings and how to mitigate them and how to get financing. So I made the jump and uh, now I'm full-time at this uh, since 2010 with, as you said, 160 doors, portfolio worth over $22 million. And I get to help people across Canada to do the same thing because my mission, and I'll end with that for, for this question, my mission is to democratize the access to multifamily investing in Canada. I want everybody who's got the balls, the guts, sorry if it's not good French here on, on this podcast, <laughs> no, it's okay. uh, to, to, to have an equal chance at uh, doing it, oh, call me an equalizer. And my, my purpose is to instruct people, to give them knowledge, empower them, give them the tools to invest in apartment buildings. And of course, like you guys, to inspire people. Because without the spark of inspiration, you won't take action. And finally, my hope by having this mission, again, which is to democratize the access to multifamily investing in Canada, is that with the wealth that people create by investing in apartment buildings, they'll do good in the world. They'll spread the wealth around and the goodness. And I do that. They're, these are not empty words for me. Uh, I do my property send money to uh, two children in Africa and uh, South America every month. Uh, you you, yeah. you got to spread the wealth. So there you go. If that's something other people can get involved in as well, maybe we'll get the links from you and put them in the show notes. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Definitely. What, um, what are... Just before we get into the multifamily, what defines a multifamily? Five or more units in a building, five or more units. And thank you, uh, Sandy, for asking that question because it's a, it's a critical question. I always start uh, my, my talks uh, by delineating the distinction. It's, it's critical because it's a brave new world. I, I, I don't know your audience, uh, but if your audience are mostly in, made, up, uh, made up of investors that invest in small rental properties, when you move to the five or more units, apartment buildings, it's the big leagues. Financing rules are different, everything is different. The only thing that stays the same is the actual market analysis, right? The fundamentals, you know, population growth, demographics and all of that, wage increases, mm-hmm. GDP growth and all that. But otherwise, the rest is very different. Okay, great. And, and then, so what are the pros and cons of investing in, in those five plus unit apartment buildings? Uh, in my opinion, the pros far outweigh the cons. Uh, first of all, uh, you create more wealth because of the wealth multiplier. Uh, basically, uh, contrary to smaller rental properties, one to four units, when you move to the bigger stuff, the NOI is the driver of valuation. NOI meaning net operating income. That's your income before you service your debt. Every time you increase your NOI by a dollar, the property appreciates by about $16, okay? So it doesn't take long. Just imagine they're giving a small increase of 25 bucks a month uh, in rental increase uh, times that 16 multiplier. So that's one of the biggest advantages. So that is the one that most of us are in it for. 
right? Mm -hmm. The other one that we're all in it for, and that's why I took a few moments to describe my lifestyle. Like now you get it. I travel a lot and I, you know, I work from home and have a lot more freedom than I ever did when I was at CMHC. But when you crunch the numbers, when you tally up the operating expenses, in those operating expenses are two items for property management, one for a professional property manager and one for a, usually a non-site manager. So the hassles of being a landlord are handled by those people in your team, your property manager and your on-site manager. That means what? That means Pierre Paul has more time to take care of his family, to travel, to go hiking, you know, whatever I want to do and follow my passions, you know? So it, it's less labor intensive for that reason. The property has to cash flow enough to pay for these two uh, people that handle the hassles of being a landlord. Mm -hmm. You also have greater economies of scale because the more units you have under one roof, uh, the cheaper it is to operate on a per unit basis, right? So you end up with more money. Like the same boiler will heat up uh, all the units. So your cost of heating all these units on a per unit basis decreases the more units you have under one roof. So that's uh, some of them. A lot less risky. After uh, principal residences, the second asset class that banks love to land on, guess what it is? It's apartment buildings. Why? Because you heard it from the guy who used to manage defaults at CMHC of apartment buildings. They rarely default. They rarely mm -hmm. default. Uh, so those are some of the, uh, the advantages of, uh, of you know, investing in apartment buildings. And they're the main reason why the large landlords, the pension funds, they love apartment buildings and guys like me. In terms of the cons, well, uh, you need more capital up front to get into the game, right? Uh, it's not as liquid of an asset as a, a small rental property. Uh, that's kind of it. You, you, you really need to do your homework because there's not much margin for error. This is something over the last weekend while I was giving my workshop in Vancouver, I was telling my students, uh, I'm teaching them the highest standard of the land, how to invest in apartment buildings. And when I say how to invest, that means like what any investor should be doing, assessing the risks and mitigating the risks. And CMHC is the toughest, you know, uh, you know, institution that, you know, deals with multifamily investing in Canada. So, but it, uh, you do need to do a lot more homework because if you, uh, you screw up, uh, you're not going to go very far. It's a very small world. So those in a nutshell, guys, would be sort of the pros and cons at a high level. Okay, I like that. Awesome. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, what, okay, so then I guess what would be some of the myths that would hold people back from multifamily investing? Because I know for me, it seems quite daunting as well. So I'm guessing that that's probably part of the myth of, you know, that it's just too difficult for the average person to get into. There are a lot of moving parts. Um, I'd be lying to you guys and your listeners if I said otherwise, especially like I'm, I'm, I'm completely exhausted because my workshop, I just finished it yesterday, right? It's a matter of hours. And uh, I, I, um, there are a lot of moving parts. Hence, the reason I said you really, really need to do your homework. But first of all, most people who invest in multifamily properties have never been a CMHC multifamily underwriter, all right? So you don't have to have, to have been a former CMHC multifamily underwriter to get in. It, it goes back to mindset, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. One of the quotes that I tell people, if you want to fly with the eagles, you cannot think like a pigeon, okay? 
uh, it, it, it's getting rid of your limiting beliefs, but it is doing your homework. So you ideally to, it, it's just, here's the problem. If you make a mistake on the multifamily side, invest in an apartment building of five or more units, it's a costly mistake. It's unforgiving. Hence the reason. So you, you, I recommend, and of course I teach, and it's not just because I want to sell my training programs. You need to do your homework. That's one thing. So that's a daunting, but can anybody do it? Absolutely. If they're perseverant enough, just like any major goal, like an uh, Olympic athlete or whatever, right? So, but you don't need any prior experience. Uh, you know, you don't need prior experience. I teach people that are regular folks that are not sometimes investing in real estate and they do it. But they are hardworking people. They are disciplined. This is so that's the first myth. You don't need to have prior experience at all. Okay. The other reason that seems to stop people is you don't need, uh, you, you need money. You know, guess what, guys? It's not my own money. I don't invest my own money in most of my buildings. It's OPM, other people's money. Okay. And not only that, but I'm super successful at uh, raising capital privately. Uh, you know why? Here's my expertise, and this is how I present this to my students. My expertise, again, is to how to assess and mitigate investment risks as they pertain to investing in apartment buildings, and then how to get financing. If you're going to go out and raise money privately from people, which I do, like doctors, I, I usually deal with high net worth individuals, right? Mm -hmm. um, what do they want to know from you? If you want them to invest with you, they want to know, have you mitigated the risk factors and, and, and assess them and mitigated them, right? Mm -hmm. How's the financing going to work out? Who's going to provide personal guarantees? So that's how I'm successful at raising money because I'm successful at assessing those risk factors. But don't you think that it, it also has to do with um, your track record? Because I'm, what about new people who don't have a track record? They're not going to be able to... I mean, for the most part, they're not going to be able to go out and, and pitch these things and, and be able to confidently mitigate those risks because they haven't been through it. What do you, what do you think about that? Listen, uh, this is Rob speaking, right? Yeah. I, I am telling you, my students are regular folks that do it, that pull the trigger. Uh, uh, so so it, it's a chicken and egg situation. Now, for those, of, those people that don't think, my course is designed to help you do that. Okay, my, my purpose is not to teach people how to raise money, but I'm telling you, I use the same system that I teach my students how to raise money. So you wouldn't believe how thorough this is, the stuff that I teach. I mean, like I said, it's my background as a former CMHC underwriter, right? Uh, so it's pretty powerful. Uh, it's not part of this, you know, podcast, but there is, I, I give my students all the tools that I can to help them out. Like one of the, the, the tools that I share with my students, it's called a Moses plan. It's basically an executive summary whereby, uh, you know, you pitch a deal to a potential investor at a higher level, mind you, but to see if you can go past. If they're, they're okay with that, then you give more details. Excuse me, more details. But essentially, the, it's an acronym, MOSES plan, that stands for management. Who's going to manage the property? Like, are you going to have a property manager and all of that? Then the O stands for opportunity. 
Why invest in multifamily properties? You guys are aware of the stress tests, right? You're aware that home ownership is becoming increasingly difficult, right? In Canada, uh, you're surely aware that the cost of money remains very low. Like I'm in the middle this week when I hang up the, the, the podcast with you, I got to prepare a financing application for one of my deals that I'm refinancing. I'm going to get an interest rate of three and a quarter percent for a load amount. Uh, I think I'm going for a million eight. That's wow. money. And what's yeah. the cap rate on that one? Probably five and a half. So I got a nice spread. So that's the opportunity, right? Uh, and even in Vancouver, by the way, because my student bought in Vancouver, uh, in Maple Ridge, right? Sort of uh, east of Vancouver. So that's the O for the opportunity. The opportunity is there. There's always an opportunity. If you dig and work hard enough, when there's a will, there's a way. Then you go on, the S uh, is the structure. How are you going to structure the joint venture? Who's going to have voting shares? Is it going to be a USA unanimous shareholder agreement, the JVA, joint venture agreement? Then the E of the Moses plan is the exit because everybody, sometimes they need to exit the investment, right? So how is that going to happen? That's going to be, and then finally S is the structure, the security, right? Who's going to provide personal guarantees and stuff like that. But this is an executive summary, very powerful uh, document if you know what you're doing. Well, quick question for you. Um, for example, I took a, a mentorship program once before. It was a group program, and I ended up doing uh, one of my first joint venture deals in with with someone involved in that group. So, would you say it's pretty common for you you'd have a group of people get together? They're learning about how to do this, but then and then some of them band together to go out and make that first purchase. Yesterday. When I do my workshop, I try to go with the, the knowledge in the room and my students. But as I mentioned to you before we started recording, the, I believe the podcast, this weekend's, uh, it was my first workshop in uh, Vancouver. And on the Friday afternoon, the way my workshop, my live workshop work is we go and inspect an apartment building uh, with a professional building inspector. And this year at my workshop in Vancouver, it was actually a building from one of my graduate students. Okay, so from years past, one of my earlier workshops. And what I did, because she was there and we were looking at, you know, inspecting her building, her and her team came yesterday and shared their story. So she indeed, to answer your question, Rob, uh, that's exactly what happened. It was her. She was a realtor by trade and accountant. Then she hooked up with somebody that had some knowledge about financing and a builder. And they shared their story. So it's kind of a a form of, you know, a team. They created a team with complementary skills. And it was, it's a success story. Like it's an amazing story. And I had them share the story. So you're right. Yeah. If, if you don't have certain skills, find somebody who has them. That's amazing. So yeah, another uh, reason to get out there obviously and, and network and meet people and at these events. Absolutely. When are you having your events guys? I might pop by. When, when is that in May? I'm going to be out there in May. Let me know. Yes, yeah, let them know about yours. What, what do you got? I got time. I got a, we got a couple. I don't. I don't. I got to look. I look at the dates. To be honest, I think we have one May 11th in Niagara. Have you ever done okay. something in Niagara? That's an interesting, interesting. Well, oh no, I love it. I was there at Key Spire in January. Actually, I okay, spoke at Key Spire in January. But yeah, I'm there towards later, latter part of uh, May, uh, May 24th. Actually, okay. 22nd as well. I think I got a speak engagement. But yeah, I'm out there at that Very time. Cool. Let me know, anyways. But yeah, but no, you're right. You got to get out. That's that's what I do too. I got to. Yeah. I'm speaking Saskatoon Thursday night. Awesome. I was in Vancouver yeah, this weekend. That was my uh, third trip to Vancouver. So and I think what people can probably take away from this is whenever they're listening to it, even if it's not, you know, relatively close to when it was recorded, you can, you can go to Pierre Paul's website, which is multifamilyinvestingcanada.com. Mick. Right. 
multifamilyinvestingcanada.com. Yeah. And more than likely you'll find an event coming up. Of course. Yeah. 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 Although I should specify, I don't do a ton. I just do one, one a year so far. And now my first one in British Columbia, Edmonton uh, in a month from now, and then Hamilton. So, Perfect. And they're limited seating, right? I don't do, I don't do massive events. This is a cozy, fun, amazing event. So grateful to have the opportunity to be able to deliver these workshops. Uh, it's just, uh, yeah, I'm in a state of bliss this morning, guys. Like I said, I know a bunch of people who have taken them, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And obviously I have, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of any that have bought apartment buildings that I know of. Maybe not yet, <laughs> but I know it's, uh, it's, it's, they've all told me it's fantastic uh, content. So, well, so let's speak to that for a moment. It, uh, it, it, I just mentioned t doing your homework takes a while. Mm -hmm. It takes a while. It does take a while. I, I would allocate certainly quite a few months to, uh, uh, to, um, you know, to do the homework and knowing the, uh, the, 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 how it works. So that's, that, that's probably why, but you know, it's just like any other training you take, uh, who takes action that uh, that's uh, beyond the, uh, the instructor's uh, <laughs> power to you know people don't use the knowledge you teach them but i teach them how it's done and how i do it and like i said i've got a deal uh, that i'm refinancing the next few weeks so and so is, is, that, is that the way to get started how do how do you how, how would you recommend people get started is it just going out learning and and all that and and honestly like i said this group yesterday uh that that that, that my graduate student she took my course years ago. It was nowhere near because I revamped the content almost three years ago. Uh, she took it before the content was really, really revamped. But they made mistakes, which I had. I, I, it's only yesterday that I got the full story. At some point, their funding was uh, pulled, pulled out from under their feet uh, days before they were supposed to close. Uh, so you just never know what's going to happen. So it, it was a rough ride. In the end, they stuck with it because they had the mindset, the will to persevere. And they made, the, it's a great success story. They made, they made lots of money. They, they, they refinanced within, but it was a big job. So my point to, to your question, Sandy, you don't have to have prior skill, but I would certainly, I vouch for what I teach. So you can do it that way, like they have, and you know, have, make some mistakes, but they survived. Or, uh, you know, you can take a training like mine. And I'm not trying to necessarily push my training because I just told you, but my training is designed to help people like that that want to start from scratch and avoid all these costly, potential costly mistakes. So, you, you, but at anything else you do in life, you got to take action. The, the, the thing that they both said, all three of them in my, my graduate student's team said, you just got to try. And as problems arise, which they will, all the three of us are business owners, and you know what I said earlier, when there's a problem, there's always a solution. If you cannot find the solution, that means you're part of the problem. Find the solution. If you don't take a course like mine, which would shave years and avoid, like would teach you the high standards of the land, how to get invested, started investing in apartment buildings, do it your own way. And when problems arise, you find the, the solution. That's all I can say. It's a mindset again. Well, let's shift gears a little bit here on, uh, let's, let's, let's turn towards financing a little bit. So yeah. uh, how does that differ from um, maybe investing in, in four and under, in units four and under? Well, so like I said, first of all, the, uh, there, there's two ways you can finance your deals, right? It's conventional financing, which is non-CMH insured financing, and then there's CMH insured financing. Uh, there's pros and cons. That's kind of the stuff that I talk about, right? 
if, uh, if you go conventional financing, um, first of all, your loan to value is, is uh, the maximum loan to value 75% in most cases, okay? Because every lender has full discretion or CMHC to do whatever they want based on the risk profile of your deal and you as an investor slash borrower. So uh, that's, that's an option. But generally speaking, if you go conventional, the, the maximum loan amount will be 75% of market value. Maximum amortization period will be 25 years, all right? Good news is uh, conventional lenders are more flexible. They're more business-like, okay? So that's in a nutshell. Whereas if you go, and it's, they're going to be able to turn around your, your financing application a lot faster than CMHC, okay? But they'll charge on average about 1% higher interest rate, okay? Whereas if you go CMHC, uh, the second kind of financing stream, uh, it's going to take longer to get your deal approved. For example, my deal that I'm working on, uh, like I said, this week to prepare my financing application, uh, it, it, it only renews in June, but I have to submit it like uh, eight, six weeks in advance because the turnaround time is very long. So let's say, for example, if I were to buy a foreclosed property that's in court, I'm not going to go and get CMHC financing because it's going to take too long. And when you're, I don't know if you're aware of that, if you bid on a foreclosure property before, uh, the judge, they want to mitigate uh, the losses to the, uh, the owner, right? That lost the property. And so you have to be able to close and finance the deal quickly. So if you've got a foreclosure, you're, you're going to go to a conventional lender. If you can wait it out and you have more time to close the deal, you can go CMHC because you've got, um, although they're, they're not business-like because it's a bureaucracy, uh, you, can, uh, you can, first of all, go up to 85% of CMHC's lending value, which is oftentimes, most of the time, lower than market value. So that's, but you can still go higher a little bit than 75% that you would for a conventional loan. And then uh, you can also extend the amortization period to up to 40 years. Right? Remember, I said conventional uh, lender is only up to 25 usually, where CMC can go up to 40 years if it's a newer or a new building, okay? So you've got more flexibility there, which impacts your, your cash flow, right? If the cash flow is a little bit tight on a deal and you know the market is ascending, well, maybe you want to extend that amortization period over a little bit more than, uh, than 25 years. Uh, you know, it gives you a little bit more flexibility in that regard. And, and then the other good advantage, as I said, which is the major one, by the way, is you pay on average, about 1% lower interest rate, guys. Do you imagine what impact it has on your uh, return on investment? Paying mm -hmm. 1% lower interest rate. So that's why the big guys like you guys in Toronto, when I drive to Toronto, I'm always uh, you know, amazed at all the large uh, you know, multifamily properties, the high-rises, concrete high-rises. We all know they're owned by institutional investors, pension funds, and all of that. Most of these guys go CMHC all day long. The large REITs, the real estate investment trusts, they go CMHC all day long. But a drawback with CMHC, it's a pain in the butt. Like my financing application, it's so much work. It, it's going to take me a couple of weeks to put together, and I'm a pro at this. I know exactly what they want because I used to be the guy telling banks, if you want, like I was an underwriter at CMHC, you want CMHC to ensure your deal, this is all the stuff you got to give me, and it's onerous, very onerous. But that's how you do it. Now, those are the two main streams of finance. In between, sometimes you may need to get bridge financing. Right. If you've got uh, again, if it's for the speediness of getting funding, and you know, if you want to stabilize the property, you may get something that's in between. It's called a bridge loan, but it is a conventional loan. And then, you know, it enables you sometimes to complete some upgrades to bring your rents up. You know, to stabilize the property, which is to maximize its performance, type of thing.
So in between, there's something called bridge loan. And it, when you get a bridge loan, after it's you, always a short-term loan, usually about 12 months. And then after the bridge loans matured, you can go either conventional again or CMHC based on circumstances of uh, your deal. And that's what I teach. I Got teach it. And you, would, and you would say that uh, while you have that bridge loan, that you would do some drastic improvements to the property so that it looks better to CMHC and the, and the A lenders. Exactly. And hopefully you can increase your rents depending on your landlord-tenant legislation in your jurisdiction. That's the idea, right? Sometimes it's a guiding uh, job as well. Like my, 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 uh, my students uh, yesterday, that group that came in and told their, their story, it was a complete gut. Uh, so the, the, the property was in bad shape. But the idea there for a bridge loan is you, you, you do a bridge loan, yeah, exactly, to improve property condition and hopefully increase your rents if you can, right? Uh, mm. Because then you want to go to, you want to commit the deal to a five-year loan term. Generally, people, most of us take five-year loan terms. Once the property has been fully stabilized, i.e. Uh, you've maximized the performance of the property, that means maximize income and reducing operating expenses wherever you can. Okay. And just out of curiosity here, when you said that they would consider 40-year loans on uh, properties of a specific age, is that like, are they pretty tight on that? Or how old of a building are you talking about? So just to be specific, 40-year amortization. Yeah. Not the loan term. Okay. Just to be clear, because I, yeah. I want people to be confused. Oh yeah. Yeah. You, you've got to make sure that the property is in super, very good uh, con condition. And to be honest with you, uh, things have changed. This is not nowhere. You're not going to know, read this anywhere on CMHC's uh, material. But I know because I talk to lenders on an ongoing basis and across Canada, CMHC will probably only give now. It wasn't always like that, but probably agree to a 40-year amortization uh, only if it's a pretty much a new building. Okay. Okay. All right. No, I was just curious about that because that did seem like a pretty sweet sort of uh, deal. <laughs> If you could get it. Well, uh, this is interesting. You know, the more I do this, and that's been, what, 11 years that I've been teaching this across Canada. As an investor, we need to know what is it that we want? What's our tolerance for risk, right? Uh, so we need to structure our, our investments accordingly, which is something in my early days teaching this material, I, I, I didn't teach necessarily. So yeah, if you want, if your cash flow is tight, it's great to extend the amortization because then your mortgage payments are less or, or smaller, right? So you cash a little bit better, but it takes you longer to pay down the principal. So if, if you're closer to retirement, uh, you know, you, that's, that's maybe something you may wish to do and, you know, keep a, 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 a smaller amortization period. You know what I'm saying? So it all depends mm -hmm. what your investment goals are, which you need to be clear. That's part of the homework that one needs to do uh, upfront. Are you enjoying this, Sandy? Fantastic. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. I love it. Uh, uh, you got this one? Okay, go ahead. Yeah, we kind of touched on the financing, right? Are we ready to go on from that? Or is there anything else on that? <laughs> Don't get me going. <laughs> I just finished That's a two-day workshop. <laughs> There's lots I more to go I mean, I, I mean, honestly, no, I kid you not. I mean, you know, and, and let me tell you something. There are, I mean, probably your listeners, by the time they listen to this, they'll have their heads, you know, spinning like crazy. I mean, and that's how my students felt yesterday. Of course, the good news is when you take my workshop, you know, I, 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 um, I know my stuff, obviously, but I, I, I hired a professional digital consultant to also 
create tools at the beginning. Now I create them myself, but flowchart where you, you know, because there are so many moving parts. So honestly, I could teach my workshop. I could take an extra two days probably to teach this stuff, but the idea, and, and I think this applies to everybody who's in, you know, any kind of endeavor that you do that's challenging. Make sure you pick your team members appropriately. And, and, and in my world of multifamily investing, if you pick, must make sure that you only pick multifamily experts, starting from the realtor, the mortgage broker, uh, the lender, uh, the engineer that's going to come and do the uh, probably the building inspection and ESC environmental site inspection. Because despite the fact that there are a lot of moving parts, if you have the right team, they'll have your back covered. You know, they'll help you out with the offer process, the offer to purchase process and all of these various uh, moving parts, if you will. So don't freak out. Anybody can do this. I don't want your, your listeners to be afraid, uh, you know, but you take it a step at a time. But you should have, I would recommend uh, having some kind of system and, uh, you know, and mm -hmm. I know that nobody else does what I do in Canada. And it's not like, I'm, I don't mean this in a bragging way. It's just a fact. And with my credentials and experience, and I, I'm, I'm there for people like, you know, who are, who are willing to roll up their sleeves and have the, the, the investment horizon. That's the other thing that I should have said as a con. A multifamily is not get rich overnight. To be where I'm at with the lifestyle that I have now, it's taken me over 12 years. So I want to be clear on that. I'm not, uh, not going to promise riches overnight. No. So what but would you the, say? Yeah. Yeah. Did you have one more thing on that? No, no. I just, I just want to be clear with people. You know, some people make crazy promises. This is long-term investment horizon. That's what you yeah. need to have. And I mean, 10, 12 years, I mean, really, if a lot of people want to get rich quick, but 10, 12, it's not that long, really. I mean, it's... Well, it's well you guys are young, young, young folks, so, but <laughs> yeah. I'm still in great shape. I still hike mountains and, you know, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, it's, it's, if you do it well, even, and I would, I would say that this applies also to smaller rental product, one to four mm -hmm. units as well. But the larger stuff, like I said, it's not as liquid. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, you, you, to stabilize the property, that's also another con I didn't mention uh, earlier. Like to stabilize the property, again, by that I mean maximizing the property's performance, i.e. maximizing rental income. That doesn't happen overnight. You know, it's usually on tenant turnover, right? When the tenant moves out, you're going to upgrade the unit, maybe jack up the rent. If hopefully you don't have a, a landlord-tenant legislation that's too uh, prescriptive in that sense. And so it takes time and then to pay the principal down. But like I said, the cost of money remains very cheap. So it does take time, right? And, and your first profit center, guys, it's not cash flow. That's the least one. The first and foremost, it's principal pay down. Second, capital appreciation. Lastly, it's cash flow. Okay. What is the biggest obstacle? What's been your biggest obstacle and challenge that you faced in real estate investing in general, I guess specifically in the multifamilies and how did you overcome it all? You, I think you said, uh, Sandy, my, my main obstacle, uh, obviously I'm in a different kettle of fish because <laughs> I had a big leg up when I did it. But, mm -hmm. but I want people to understand something. When I teach this stuff, so let me go back to my days when I, my ass was sitting in a cubicle at CMEC in the multifamily underwriting department. And my job, I, yeah, I do want to, really, that's a key message. I'm glad that I thought of saying this to you guys. My job for four years of my life. So I was in default management real estate for four years. Then I was a multi, I moved to the multifamily underwriting department for four years because I saw how much money people were making, right? You got that drift. Mm -hmm. Like I was from the inside, saw how landlords were making so much money, especially those crazy boom years in Alberta. 
okay? So my job day in, day out was to analyze other people's deals in the comfort of my little cubicle at CMHC, and it was mindless. I had a, a beautiful spreadsheet, which I've replicated, uh, you know, the same tool for my, my students, but I was going through this mindless. No emotions were attached. It was bang, 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 that property risk factor. What is it? Bang, 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 checking the boxes, market risk factor, valuation risk factor, borrower risk factor. It was, it was a, a, and, and I was, my performance was evaluated based on how quickly I could process these applications, okay? But then, like I said, I, I got a ha-ha moment and I said, gee, people are making a lot of money with these apartment buildings. I want to join the parade. When it came the time for me to write my first offer to purchase on a $2.2 million, I was shaking in my underwear. Mm -hmm. I was scared shitless. And I hope you forgive my language, but that's how I felt. And it, 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 because I, for once, I was actually connected to what I was doing. You know, my emotions were involved. My neck was stuck out. I was taking all these risks and all of that. So I do understand people how they feel when they write, you know, they signed the dotted line on their first offer to purchase on a multifamily property. And I do my darnest best and beyond that to make sure that they are, they build the confidence. So my biggest obstacle, if you ask my own, that's what it was. It was that very moment. And I was a freaking bureaucrat. There was no other way of putting this with a six figure salary, the best pension plan in Canada. You know, it was a big freaking jump. And I jumped out of the plane without a parachute. And I've been, you know, building wings. I'm on my way down ever since. And now I'm picking up altitude, you know. But, you know, I just, so, so that was, it's mindset. Remember at the beginning of the, 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 the podcast, we said, what is the biggest obstacle people face? It's not the mechanics of assessing the risk factors and getting financing. I just gave you a high level summary of that. You know, it's mindset. That's what prevents people from succeeding in anything in life. And that, was, uh, that, was the, that is the biggest challenge. And then is having the perseverance and the will to, to learn it. That's what I would say. So you've told us about some training sessions that you just did in Vancouver, but um, you've, got a, you've got a bunch of uh, educational seminars coming up. So tell us about what you have going on. Yeah, so I've got, so first of all, there's two, uh, there's an online version and uh, which is the same content as the live workshop. So again, it's at multifamilyinvestingcanada.com. But I got a, a, an Edmonton workshop. So this is, Edmonton is my market. That's where my portfolio is located. That's on May 10th to the 12th. And then in Hamilton, May 24th to the 26th, right? This is going to be my third workshop in uh, Hamilton. And same idea. The, 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 the process is the same. On Friday afternoon, we go... I take my students to inspect uh, an apartment building accompanied by a professional building inspector. You go into the boiler room, you go up on the roof, you know, sample a few units and you walk around the building and, you know, you get an idea of what to look for because at the end of the day, we invest in brick and mortar, right? That hard asset, that's what we invest in. And then that particular building becomes a case study. And for the next two days, we look at that case study from beginning to end, how the market analysis was done and how to assess the risk factors and how to get financing. Uh, like I said, guys, I don't know if I said this, but uh, yeah, I think that's before we started recording the podcast. Uh, I, I've, I'm in a state of bliss at this very moment because my students, uh, the last few hours, are sending me emails to thank me uh, about the workshop, uh, how great of a time it was. I'm, I got gifts. <laughs> I'm getting gifts and some expensive gifts, too, sometimes. I can't believe it from my students. And you know, they fill out an evaluation form. And for the third year in a row since I revamped my content, 
uh, out of 10, my students gave me an average of 9.64. So I very, feel very blessed this morning, guys. Really blessed. And yeah. this is the last three years in a row that I've been getting this kind of uh, evaluation. So really, really, really happy this morning. Yeah, very good. That's nice. It's amazing. And I, I, I think it's, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, you spend a lot of time in classrooms and learning and that's fantastic. It's tough to find programs where you're actually out there in the field, looking at real properties and analyzing real deals. That's what I like about this, uh, that opportunity there. I think that's great for people that, that really actually want to take some action. I think that's an added benefit that they don't get in a lot of other programs <clears throat> that we hear about. It's, it's designed for that. To be honest with you, uh, I'm going to be a bit more specific. So your, your folks uh, uh, can, uh, if they, they can go to my website, they can look at that, look at video testimonies. I haven't looked at those. Uh, somebody was recording some video testimonies for me yesterday. But if your folks are interested, uh, I, uh, in those, uh, I'm willing to give them, uh, give them a discount. Uh, $250 discount. They can go to Breakthrough 2019. Breakthrough 2019. We'll uh, give you the link to you guys as well. But um, uh, it's, uh, this is how I do it. Like it's not coming from somebody who's flapping his jaws up front on some stage. Um, my, my, my workshops are always small. But the beauty is, uh, like I said, the, the same, the identical content is available online. It is the same content. But you cannot replace a live event. We both know that, right? You can't replace mm -hmm. a live event. Uh, so, but what I'd like to do, and you'll see if you go to my website, there's packages where you can get both the online course as well as the online course at a discounted rate. And you guys get a discount. So, uh, you know, $200 uh, discount, $250 discount. Um, but the, the, my training are a few thousand dollars. Uh, I, I'm being told again this weekend by my students who are sitting in my classroom that I'm not charging enough for what the information I'm providing them. I uh, think so I told you that when we were on the phone as well. Like you did. Surprisingly well-priced. Well, uh, all I'm saying, and, and this is no marketing ploy, guys. I, 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 you know, I'm still working hard at what I do and my portfolio and all of that, but you take it or leave it. But here's the thing. Uh, remember what I said earlier, my quote, if you want to fly with the eagles, you cannot think like a pigeon or another quote that I've got here in front of me. Uh, don't try to cheap out on your way up. Right. Uh, I have spent tens of thousands of dollars on my education on business coach. And sounds like you too, uh, Rob, probably you, Sandy, as well. Tens of thousands of dollars on my education. You're going to go out and buy a multimillion dollar billing. You can't spend uh, a couple thousand, two, three thousand dollars on your education to, to acquire a multimillion dollar asset, very likely. You're in the right, wrong place. And to be honest with you, let me be blunt. I don't want tire kickers in my class. There you go. I said it. Probably not good marketing, but there you go. Done. So if you're a tire kicker, don't show up. Perfect. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> probably poor marketing. Uh, I would no, fail no, marketing it's good. I like that. There it's you called go. tough love. That's what it is. <laughs> I, 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 that's all it is. And I'm building a, an online community. I got so much content. Once you join me and the price will go up. I mean, and this is not a freaking marketing ploy. I don't like, I don't like BS. I just not a BS guy. I just, you know, again, maybe I'm too blunt again, but if you want, you want this, I'd love to help you. If you don't, we know worse friends for, for that, you know. <laughs> well, Pierre-Paul, where do we see, where do you see your business going over the next year? Well, so when I'm out in your neck of the woods, uh, I, it's time for me. So we're, we're suffering. Um, 
we're suffering a little bit in Alberta, not a little bit, a lot. Okay. And I, I do, hopefully we still have time to talk about that. Don't we guys, do we, are yes. we out of time? Okay. Cause no, I do we don't have a time, time limit. Okay. Yeah, we'll talk as long as you want. Okay. But I do want to talk about the oil situation in Canada as a, it's my civic duty. And I mean this, like you can tell I speak from the heart. And by the way, I teach from the heart. By the time we finished my, 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 my workshop yesterday, they're, they're my family. They're my kids. They're my children. Uh, on my online community of multifamily investing, all right? And I mean this, I'm still in touch with folks that I taught years ago, by the way, especially those who take action because they're my favorite children. <laughs> I'm not going to dispute that, <laughs> right? Because sometimes they run into troubles or they need advice. But um, where I see my business, so uh, we have a unique situation in Alberta where I, I, need, I feel the need to diversify my portfolio. And you guys out East have tremendous opportunities in the Golden Horseshoe. So I'm coming out early before, so I've got speaking engagements plus my workshop in Hamilton, but I'll spend extra days um, scouting some new markets uh, in Ontario, Southern Ontario. So that's where I see myself uh, looking at opportunities there to purchase, to acquire apartment buildings. Eventually, which makes sense for a guy like myself to get into purely commercial. You know, apartment buildings, five or more units, also called commercial residential, right? Because it is commercial. Why? Because the income approach, income capitalization approach is what's being used to value, arrive at a valuation, right? Versus the comparison approach that we use for one to four unit rental properties. Uh, so, uh, so commercial, commercial or retail spaces makes a lot of sense as, uh, to, as a graduation, if you will. I wouldn't dispose of my apartment buildings, no. But uh, in addition to my uh, commercial residential, I would consider commercial commercial with uh, commercial space with triple net leases kind of thing because it has its advantages as well. So mm -hmm. uh, it's less, you know, especially when the, the leases are triple net. So that would be a logical sort of continuation for me uh, in the future. That's where I see my business go in that regard. When you, real quick, when you say triple net, what do you mean? Whereby the tenants uh, pay for most of the expenses and as the owner of the, the asset, you pay like uh, uh, common, common uh, expenses, like common areas expenses or roofing and stuff like that. But otherwise they pay their own property taxes and utilities and stuff like that. That's what a triple net lease is. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's very less demanding, but you got to have the right anchor uh, or, or good tenants. Like oftentimes, for example, it'd be the epitome of a good anchor tenant would be somebody like Starbucks, right? That mm -hmm. will, will sign a long-term lease and is, has the financial means to pay their lease, right? You know what I'm saying? So, mm -hmm. and they're longer term leases. So your, your rental risk is less because you've got longer term leases and not one year leases like our, our tenants. Mm -hmm. So they're usually three to five years can be longer depending what you negotiate and specific circumstances. So from a risk point of view, it can be less risky if you have good tenants. To, in order to reach these goals for the next year, what kind of things are motivating you? What kind of things are driving you to get there? It's, it's always lifestyle. Like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm older than you two gentlemen. Uh, as I said, my kid, my youngest is 14. Then I have two young adults, 19 and 21. So they're starting to be on their own more and more. So sooner or later, my wife and I are going to be on our own. So obviously it's retirement. Uh, but, you know, you read my a portion of my bio. There's so much more we could have talked about because I've had a crazy, amazing life. Uh, I've traveled all over the world. I've got three degrees. I speak over four languages. 
uh, holy crap, like I, life is good. Like again, I'm, I'm holding my, my gratitude rock right now as I see these things. And you know what? Uh, the best is yet to come. So when the kids are gone, which is fast approaching, um, I want to continue to travel. Like I'm, I'm very healthy. Like we hike, I practice yoga. Uh, I, I want to continue to travel and I want to continue to make a difference for my wife and I. The, the stuff we kind of talk about is kind of going on missions abroad to help uh, developing countries. You know, when we have, you have so much, we have so much. Like that gratitude rock. Like this morning, I read a few articles and, you know, what's, what's going on in Sudan in the National Geographic magazine. Mozambique had this hurricane a few weeks ago where, you know, look at us. Look at us how, you know, wealthy and privileged we are. There's not a single day I, I don't remind myself of that. And I started traveling. I was very young. So for me, in the future, wealth is, as I said earlier, is part of giving back. You know, and, and also teaching this stuff, guys, by the way, just to reiterate, my mission is to democratize the access to multifamily investing in Canada because I feel it's been the, 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 the purview of only a, a small uh, clique almost of people. Very few people share that knowledge. I think I'm the only one that shares it openly. Uh, so it's to give back because I have, I've had a great life and I continue to have a great life. I'm not saying I don't have challenges. That's not what I'm saying, but it's all how you frame things. At the end of the day, I'm sitting here, I'm looking at the snowy Rockies, blue sky, sitting at my home. Like I said, I'm going to go and pick up my fresh eggs. I feed my chickens with uh, flaxseed, their omega-3 eggs. I had four of them this morning. Life is good. I want more of that than more giving back because that's what we're on earth for. There you go. Wonderful. I love it. Yeah, well said, for sure. That's, uh, that's, that's hopefully it inspires others and everything to, to, to learn more from you and, uh, you know, take this little chunk of knowledge and hopefully dive deeper on it and reach out to you, go to your courses. What kind of people are you looking forward to getting into your courses and how can they get in touch with you to learn more? Well, again, it's multifamilyinvestingcanada.com. They can also send me an email at support at MIC or multifamily investing Canada. Use the acronym MIC. Uh, yeah. So everything is there, guys. I have a Facebook page as well that they can join. Um, and I, I've barely scratched uh, the surface. So what I'm doing now is I'm creating also an online community. Right now, if you join my classes, like I said, the prices will not stay this low. Like I'm, I'm involved with everybody. Like you heard Keith Spire. Some, oftentimes I'm at the, the investor uh, forum in Toronto as well. Less so in the last couple of years, I haven't been, but uh, you know, I get around the whole country. Uh, but that's how they can get involved with uh, my, uh, my teaching, uh, my programs if uh, they're interested. And again, don't want tire kickers. You know, if you're mm -hmm. going to spend money on your education, mean it and uh, I'll be there for you in many forms. I've got a lot of content that I've been creating and I continue to create like uh, video interviews of lenders, successful students so that you can learn from them as well as me, uh, you know, and how to avoid a lot of mistakes and all that. So lots of stuff and tool. Um, I'm super generous because like I said, I'm grateful for the life I've had and I have. So I want to give back in wherever, however I can. Uh, so that's, uh, that's, that's kind of it. Um, but I, I, uh, so I do want to talk about Alberta and the oils. Can, can we do this now? Sure. For sure. Get in, yeah, absolutely. So my education, I learned English at U of T and this is, so I've always started, I started traveling. I was 14 years old and graduated from high school, went to South America, to Brazil, did the Rotary Club, a student exchange program in Brazil. So I learned Portuguese, came back, went to CJAP, went to Europe, learned Italian came back to Canada, went to U of T, learned English mostly there uh, and, and, and stuff. And uh, when I was an Easterner, whether living in Quebec or Ontario, because Ontario, 
I have a lot of memories. Some of my best friends to this day, some 35, 40 years later, I still hang out with. Uh, uh, I still get together with them. My friends from U of T, I was actually a, a fraternity boy. I was a DK, Delta Kappa Epsilon, downtown Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when I was out east, guys, I was ignorant of something. And that is the importance of the oil and gas industry for Canada. Um, I, I had no understanding of how much wealth that represents for not just Alberta, for the rest of the country, all right? And I'm, um, I, I, I'm gonna get political on you if you don't mind, but uh, you know, cause I feel strong. I love this country. I, I know this country from the West Coast to Quebec, okay? Not so much the Maritimes, but I get around and uh, been to that country and I, could, I do it on a regular basis. And I speak, you know, French and English. And as I said, other languages, I have a deep love for this country, uh, whether my heritage as a French Canadian from Quebec and Ontario and so on now, Alberta. And I don't like what I'm seeing. This prime minister that we have is the worst prime minister in my lifetime. And I've always been involved in politics. As I said, I studied political science at UFT. Um, you know, oil and gas, you know how much revenue a day it represents for Canada? For Canada, I don't mean Alberta, between eighty and hundred thousand million dollars a, a day. Okay, in lost income, that's hospitals, that's uh, you know bridges, that's a lot of money. And unfortunately, we've been victim of um, of a conspiracy. And this is no joke. I'm not a conspiracy theorist or any kind like that. But I I encourage people to look up Vivian Krause. That's spelled Vivian and then Krause K R A U S E. Okay. She, okay. she, she, sir, and I can send you links if you want. You guys, I can do that as well. We can attach mm -hmm. that to, uh, but uh, she found out who is funding the demonstrators. Remember all this issue with the Trans Mountain pipelines and all of that, and yeah. the, man, the, the demonstrators, demonstrators, and all of that. She did a research <laughs> where the money's coming from. Do you know where the money's coming from, you guys? Where? The money from the U.S from the Rucker through the Tides Foundation, which was funded by the Rockefeller Foundation. Mm -hmm. If anybody, I've read the biography, John D. Rockefeller, all right? Mm -hmm. He made money with the oil, okay? Why? Because if we don't have a pipeline, what happens? Guess who we sell our oil to? To the U.S. at a discounted rate. Dumbass that we are. Canadians, yeah. we're too nice, eh? You know, seriously, <laughs> folks. Yeah, well. It's a scandal. It is a scandal. And I didn't know these things when I lived in out east in Canada. So I encourage your listeners to educate themselves. And it's I'm I'm for the environment, like I live in the country. I'm surrounded by the environment. I'm a backcountry hiker, a fisherman, and all of that. Canada produces like the oil sense produces 0.15 percent of uh, uh, of uh, gas emissions. It's not even one percent, guys but we're being manipulated. We need to go and move towards greener, um, greener you know, uh, technologies and all of that, but we have to do it in a, a gradual way, in a transition way, right? At this point, you know, we're not the problem. It's China, heavy polluter, it's the US, it's some countries in Asia. I'm just encouraging your folks to read about this. This is not just an Alberta crisis, it's a national crisis and all of us are losing. When I was an Easterner living in Ontario, Quebec, I had no understanding of that. Now that I live in Alberta, I get it. So uh, does this Vivian Krauss have some kind of, um, like what, what, what should people do 
it, where should they go? How can they get involved? Like, it's one thing to learn about it, but where can they go to be part of the solution? Well, uh, I, I've never been disinvolved in politics, short of running for office. I signed petitions in favor of pipelines and things like that. Uh, it's just at least being educated. But honestly, folks, I, I just happen to be one of those, I guess, uh, political buffs. I follow politics. I challenge anyone to go back to 2015 when Prime Minister Trudeau said he was going to run, what their platform was. Do you know the only thing that the Trudeau fully realized in terms of their electoral platform of 2015? Do you know what it is? Take a wild guess. I don't know, something to do with pot. They made pot legal. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Folks, Mm. I challenge anyone listening to this podcast to go back to 2015, what they said they would do. It's the only thing that materialized. Their green plan, you know that Ontario today is starting the lawsuit against the carbon tax. You know that? And so is Saskatchewan, right? So is, and so on. Uh, The electoral reform was completely uh, ditched. Uh, the, the tax reform for small businesses. Remember this big upheaval about split income and all that? They made some serious amendments. I could go on and on and on. Yeah, we're uh, on a different show now. Guys, <laughs> we, we, we can call me back. <laughs> but I follow these things, guys. This is the worst prime minister and this scandal about SNC-Lavalin. Don't get me going. I think I'm going to put something in my cappuccino, something stronger, maybe whiskey or something. <laughs> My point is just be aware, guys. When I was living out these, like you guys, I, I had no understanding of these things. That's all I want to say. I, I just didn't have that kind of understanding about these issues. Please educate yourself. This country is great. And, you know, we had Energy East that we had a pipeline going to Eastern Canada. And all it was, it was an existing pipeline. It could, all we had to do is reverse the flow of oil to go towards you guys. And then we had freaking politicians, former mayor of Montreal, say no. Do you know where your oil is coming from, you guys? From countries like Nigeria, where they kidnap young women and use them as sex slaves or children soldiers and all of that. Mm-hmm. I could go on, guys. This is, I'm educated. It's just because this is who I am. And I love this country. We're not doing our country any favor. Uh, we can do another podcast if you want. But <laughs> I, I, Guys, I'm, the only reason I want to bring this to your attention is because I feel it's my civic duty. To, to, to inform people about these things. Well, I think that it's important too. And I mean, quite frankly, I know nothing about it, but uh, anyone who's interested in learning about it, I mean, we're going to put not only your contact information in the show notes, but um, we'll put the other links that you're going to send us as far as, as okay. the stuff goes. So anyone that, so anyone and everyone is encouraged to go over there and uh, try to learn about it. Maybe we can pull our heads out of the sand collectively and, and uh, maybe do something about this. It's just, guys, it's, it, 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 you know, I, I'm not an angry guy, obviously. I think you get that, right? But I, I just feel, I know you're not aware of that. Uh, but because I was an Easterner, we don't get that reality. But now that I'm sitting here and I, ha- I know your reality at GTA because I go there all the time and I studied there and, you know, I live there. And I just feel a civic duty to, to, to share that. This is a beautiful country. We're not doing it a favor. We, we do need, don't get me wrong. I mean, I am a big environmentalist in the sense that we need to move towards greener solutions. But look, I, I go to Toronto. The amount of energy that requires, like traffic on the 401, on the 400, come on, you guys. This doesn't happen like out of thin air. It's oil and gas, make no mistake. <laughs> so, and, and it's, you know, I've met the money that goes towards from Alberta to Eastern Canada. It's Quebec and Ontario. It's big, billions of dollars for decades from the oil and gas. So everybody benefits from this. Let's work together. It's a great country. I'm not running for office, by the way. If anyone wants me to run for office, I'm not. <laughs> Maybe like, you should. That's like a my good chickens. idea, actually. I like my chickens and my uh, scenery <laughs> now, the Rockies, uh, beautiful, sunny, uh, 
Rocky story, Rocky today. No guys. Parliament Hill for you then. No. Um, okay, listen, Pierre Paul, uh, I really do think that you embody the sum of what it means to be a, a real estate investor in Canada. So thank you again for coming on the show and sharing so much with us today. Really appreciate it. You're welcome, guys. Thank you for having me. You're a good bunch, and I, I like the vibe uh, you guys have. Uh, like I said, uh, your introduction, uh, I didn't want to let that slip by. Uh, I, I hear you, and I like that vibe. I like your vibe of your show. So I, I didn't know your show, and I'm going to make a point to subscribe to it and uh, listen to it because uh, yeah, you're good people, and uh, I think we're, we're in sync here, so I appreciate that. Well, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. And then again, just want to encourage everyone listening to, to reach out to Pierre Paul and, and check out some of his info. Lots to share. And I think he can, everyone can tell the passion and excitement behind his voice here as he, as he does it. So get in touch with him. Learn, grow, take some action. Sandy, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, 289-389-6846 or info at McKayRealtyNetwork.com. And anyone who's interested in seeing what I'm up to can just go to mrbreakthrough.ca. All right. Uh, again, everybody, thanks for listening. I think we got a ton of info out of this episode and uh, really looking forward to uh, getting this one out there so everyone can hear it. So everyone have a great night.